No woman, no man, no child was ever deeply intimate with my father. The closest anyone ever came to casual camaraderie with the Padishah Emperor was a relationship offered by Count Hasmir Fenring, a companion from childhood. The measure of Count Fenring's friendship may be seen first in a positive thing. He allied the Lanzarad suspicions after the Arrakis affair. It cost more than a billion solaris in spice bribes, so my mother said. And there were other gifts as well, slave women, royal honors, and tokens of rank. The second major evidence of the Count's friendship was negative. He refused to kill a man, even though it was within his capabilities, and my father commanded it. I will relate this presently. Count Fenring, a profile by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Well, together, we're not as together as we usually are, Caleb. We're in separate locations again. Yes, we are. I moved across the country, so I'm trying to find good Wi-Fi here. So hopefully this works out brilliantly. But we're going to play it by ear. (laughs) I know. (laughs) First world problems. Here we are. (laughs) It's pretty bad. So here we go, Evan. We are in book three, the last book of Dune. Then the last two books are now going to come to a close in rapid succession. Um, yes. So I think the last book is the fewest amount of chapters. So we're going to see this happen real fast. Oh, man, it's a lot. It's a lot to digest. So uh, we have this quote right in the beginning talking about Count Fenring, which is nice because we know who this character is now. It's not, right. it's not like we're talking about a character. We have no idea who it is. True. This is talking about what happens after the Arrakis affair, right? They're the attack of Arrakis. And evidently, there were uh, some people were pretty upset about it. Fair. Some of the other houses were like, what's going on? Started investigating a little bit. And so the emperor puts out Count Fenring to quiet the dissenters. And Unlike the Harkonnen way of quieting dissenters, the emperor quiets dissenters through gifts and bribes. Right, right, right. Tokens of rank. Um, But there's something we need to note about the count. One, he was the emperor's only real friend. Um, And he took care of the emperor's needs. The closest thing to a friend he has. And he also, and one of the, the reasons they call him a friend is because he actually didn't do what the emperor said, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Evan rolls his eyes at me at that one. Um, so we're going to see the, just, you know, foreshadowing here. The count is going to be told to kill a man and not do it. Bum, bum, bum. I wish that these quotes like went directly into the chapter next but of course they're detached so uh moving on uh, yeah i guess moving on <laughs> the favorite of dune so we like to uh, get emails 
from the people who read Dune with us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you can email us at readingdune@gmail.com and tell us what your favorite moment of Dune is. And we read it here on the show. So this one is from Riley Jarrett. He says, Hey guys, big fan from Australia. I recently finished a book and as a result have become a huge fan of the Dune series. I am also the only person who has read the book <laughs> that I know of. So it's great listening to you guys talk about in depth about characters and plots. And it helps me pick on th- up things I missed. I look forward to every new episode as a highlight of my week. Aww. I thought that was really kind. I, I, with our, even with our bad glitchy Wi-Fi issues, it's still the highlight of the week. It's incredible. So I asked, of course, further in the email what, uh, what his favorite moment is. And you might like this, Evan. He says he thinks his favorite moment is the chapter of Liet, Liet Kine's death. Oh. Remember that one? Yeah. He says, I don't know. Something about it sticks with me. As the quote, no more terrible disaster could befall your people than for, the, for them to fall into the hands of a hero. Gotta be my favorite. Thanks. Thanks, Riley. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Riley. Because I think uh, that quote, no more terrible disaster could befall your people than for them to fall into the hands of a hero. I think that quote's going to be uh, really pertinent here as we go into chapter book three. Dun, dun, dun. I can't. So here we go. So let's, uh, for, right away, chapter 38. Evan, what are your big first impressions? Um, it's another Harkonnen chapter, which everyone knows at this point, if you've been following along, are my least favorite. <laughs> I, anytime the Harkonnens show up, I'm like, dang it. Can we just skip this chapter? These people, this guy's gross. I hate him. Everything about him sucks. Um, I don't know. What are my takeaways? The Harkonnens are gross and devious and treacherous and awful. And this just digs that hole a little bit deeper for me as a reader. 100%. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's dig into the chapter here. Let's do it. And, Ev- and Evan, as always, feel free to chime in about anything and everything. Oh, I will. All right. So imagine, if you will, from space, looking down on a polluted planet as it comes in. The title card pops up, Giddy Prime. Two years after the attack on Arakeen. And it zooms in and we get to the Baron's big blue keep. And we go down and that, you know, the shot comes in and we see a hallway. And around the corner of the hallway, we see the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen waddling angrily, storming towards us. Boom, 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 boom. But he's got like the suspenser, so it's more like... Boing, boing, boing. The afternoon sunlight pours into the windows and illuminating only parts of his jiggling body buoyed by his suspensers. The light continues to reflect off the things on his hands and off the suspensers. He passes the kitchen. Amazingly, he didn't stop at the kitchen. He passes the great <laughs> library. And he enters the lounge to where the guards are relaxing. And there, 
in the lounge is his captain of the guard, Nafood, sitting there on like a lounge chair, deep in a trance of his Samuda music drug. Like a wah, 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 wah. His face is expressionless. As you could hear the eerie, eerie wailing of the musical drug. Um, we were talking about Samuda um, in the Discord, which we will talk about before the end of this episode. I'm bum, sure. bum, bum. Uh, we got a Discord going, but we were talking about the Samuda, and I was like, you know what it makes me think of? In middle school, well, at least for me in middle school, when there was like YouTube videos of like, listen to this song and it'll get you high. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like a thing. We would put like weird trippy music on YouTube to like trick little kids into thinking they were getting high listening to this music. It's because of the waveforms of the blah, blah, blah. And you'll get real trippy. That's exactly <laughs> like what it the is. The real version of it, you know? Right. He's like, yeah. womp, 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 womp. So Nafood's laid out on his little like chase lounge here, just zonked out, and in comes the Baron. Nafood! Guards in the room scramble out of the Baron's way. Nafood stands up. He takes off his like headphones or something, and the music stops. The only thing that hit his fear was the drug's after effects. He's still kind of stoned. He says, my Lord Baron... The Baron looked around at the other guards in the room, feeling the fear and the tension. He looked back down at the food. In a silken tone, the Baron said, How long have you been my guard, Captain Nafood? <clears throat> Nafood swallows, not making eye contact. Since Arrakis, my lord, almost two years ago. And have you always anticipated dangers to my person? Such has been my only desire, my lord. The Baron roared into Nafood's face. Then where is Fade Rautha? Nafood flinched. <gasps> the Baron switched into a silky, smooth voice, asking tenderly, which is always a bad sign when the Baron like switches tones like that. You know he's just he's out to get you real bad at that point. Like you're in big trouble. Sure. You do not consider Fade Rautha a danger to my person? Some of the dullness left from the drug. And they left Nafood's eyes kind of cleared up a little bit. Uh, Fade Rautha is in the, the slave quarters, my lord. Like, yes, I know this answer. The Baron trembled, trying to suppress his anger. With the women, huh? Nafood tried to talk, but the Baron silenced him. Thinking the Baron moved another step into the room closer to Nafood. At this point, nobody dared leave. They didn't want to be caught in the direction of the Baron's anger. Right. You know, you could imagine like somebody flinching and the Baron just killing them right then and there. So just don't be a Harkonnen pretty much if you want to live. Right. I mean, it, it, it sounds like they're like getting away from the food is the only movement that's happening. Right. Just slowly backing up. Like, we're going to like stay out of the way because he's clearly in trouble and I'm not trying to be in trouble. So I'm just going <laughs> to let him deal with this. And, but the Baron now is talking to the entire room. He said, but he's ta talking to the room, but he's also talking straight to the food. Right. He said, 
Did I not command you to know precisely where the Nah Baron was at all times? The Baron takes another step closer to Nafud. Did I not say to you that you were to tell me whenever he went into the quarters of the slave women? Nafud swallowed as the sweat on his forehead started dripping down. <laughs> Which I think is such a fun image, especially because of the dune and moisture just in general. Like he's, he's just letting all of his moisture out of his body at this point. Right. right. I mean, I'd probably be doing worse. I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just really nervous. Can we? You would have moisture coming out of another part of your body, not just in sweat. <laughs> Absolutely. No catch pockets to save me. <laughs> the boy, the Baron held his voice flat. Did I not say these things to you? Nafud nodded. Did I not say that you were to check on all the slave boys sent to me and that you were to do this yourself? Personally, Nafud could only nod. Did you perchance see the blemish on the thigh of the one sent me this evening? Is it possible? And then the Baron is interrupted. Uncle! The Baron whipped his entire body around to see Fade Routha standing in the doorway. To which I imagine personally, like him just nonchalantly just leaning on the threshold, trying to control his breathing. His face is still red because he like just ran down the hall when he knew what happened. I pictured him kind of like, what's, what's happening? You know, like, uncle, what? what's going on? You're mad. Why are you mad? Why aren't you dead, uncle? I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> the Baron thought the look of hurry that Fade was trying to conceal, but couldn't reveal much. It meant Fade had his own spy system focused in on the Baron. So maybe somebody in the room tipped him off or somebody had to see the Baron storming down the hall and be like, it, Roger, Roger, it, it didn't work. <laughs> so Fade comes running in. Looking dead-eyed at Fade, hand on his projectile weapon underneath his robe, the Baron said, there was a body in my chambers that I wish removed. Fade glanced at two guardsmen, who then ran out the door towards the Baron's apartments. As the Baron starts to question Fade about the slave quarters, and Fade wonders what went wrong, right? right. Fade thinks this boy was perfect for the job. And now that the boy's been killed, what, what happened? Where, where, where did it go wrong? Not even how it could have picked a better subject to be his assassin. So, like, of course, I don't think Fade you know, included Howard in his plans, but he's trying to one-up them and trying to figure it out. Right. Um, so, Evan, what did, uh, what did Fade do? What did Fade do? Yeah, what was the, what was the assassination plan? Oh, okay. He uh, conspired with the slave master to put a little, like a poison needle thing in the boy's thigh so that when this is super gross when uncle uncle <laughs> baron harkonnen uh got friendly with this boy he would like put his hand on there and the needle would come out of the boy's thigh and prick him in the hand and it's got poison on it and there goes there goes the baron and then what Pop happens the weasel 
<laughs> say the Baron dies, what then would happen? Uh, in, in, in your imagination. I'm assuming he would become the new Baron. He would become the head of the Harkonnen house. Yeah, so Fade's trying to get a promotion and get it early in right. classic Harkonnen style. Fade's in trying to figure out what, what happened here. And the Baron asked where he was, and he said he was playing chess with a slave master, and then the Baron's like, well, who won? And then Fade's like, of course, I won. So the Baron dispatches Nafud to go kill the slave master. And he does this... Um, to the Baron's like, to stay in my good graces, like, you need to go do this. Yeah. And then we see the two guards who went off to go get the body of the slave boy come back, and I see them, like, there's a door here, and they, like, kind of pass through the door. You can, like, see them in the view, and they're, like, carrying the the body away, and the Baron looks at them, and you can see his, like, head kind of tilt a little bit. And he says, hmm... And then he tells Nafud to kill the guards too. While you're out there, just go kill the guards too. I didn't like the way they, I didn't like I didn't like the way they were carrying the body. Right. The Baron is is straight up flexing on everybody right now. Yeah. Nafud tries to protest though, but he's interrupted by Fade, who immediately tells him, yells at him, and says, "Do as your master has ordered." The Baron smir- smiled inwardly. Because he knew that this means Fade knows his place. Uh-huh. Fade needs to keep the bear needs to keep the Baron around, and the Baron needs to keep Fade around, but he also knows that Fade needs to learn a little bit more. Right. Cause uh evidently Fade does not know why he needs to keep the Baron around. Right. He thinks he can just get rid of him and move on, but the Baron's like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, there's a deeper plan here. Right. So the Baron turns to Fade and says, Would you accompany me to my chambers, Fade? And Fade says, I'm I'm yours to command, but the whole time thinking, crap, I'm caught. He's gonna right. get me. Never a good sign when the Baron calls you to his chambers. <laughs> it any- never has been. No, nobody it's never good for anybody. The Baron extends his large arms and his sausage-like fingers towards the door and says, after you. So Fade moves, and he moves to the door, and now he's exposing his entire back to the Baron. And I'm sure he has a shield on at this point, because I personally wouldn't walk around Giddy Prime without a shield going on. But he's walking with him, and so he has an exposed back. Which right. means at any moment the Baron could try to slip a knife in, into past the shield, into his back, and kill Fade. So Fade's feeling this awkward, this tension. But he's thinking, does the Baron still need Fade? Like, is there anybody else that would secede the Baron? Like, maybe the Beast Raban, but everyone knows the Beast Raban is stupid. Like, he would just give him that so fade's like am i still okay here and that point you can feel how happy the baron is right it at this like feeling of rage he wants fade to know and feel the terror of what could happen the baron knows fade must succeed him 
but it would be at the time of his choosing, not at the time of Fade's choosing. Baron thinks to himself, I will not have him throwing away what I've built. Right? Because the heart, what, what, what do you think uh, the Baron Harkon is aiming for? Um, What's the ultimate goal? That the house Harkonnen is in charge of the Imperium. Yeah. He doesn't yes. really care if he's in charge of the Imperium, just that his house is in charge of the Imperium <laughs> and that he is the one that gets them there. Right? Yeah. yeah. He wanted to make sure that... So he doesn't want Fade to make a dumb mistake and throw away all the gains they've just had right. in this. So he's trying to look out for the broader house. So yeah, that's the ultimate motive that the Baron's thinking about. Fade at this point is trying not to walk too fast or too slow. He could feel his skin crawling, waiting for the knife to come, but it never did. And then the bear, the Baron exchanges uh, some small talk. He right. says, <laughs> he says, have you heard the latest word from Arrakis? Uh, no, uncle. He's like, what, is, what, what does this have to do with anything? There's a, they've, they have a new prophet, a religious leader of some kind among the Fremen, the Baron said. They call him Muhadib. Bum, bum, bum. So, what do you think this means? This means that Muhadib is now, the name Muhadib has grown beyond just the tiny sketches. Right. It's now over the entire planet of Arrakis. So much so that the Baron knows about it, probably from the Beast Raban, but it could be that other houses also know about it. So the name Muhadib is now spreading across the Imperium. Right. Enough that everybody knows about it to the point that it's gotten to Tarkonans. Right. It's like huge, right? That because the Fremen are so like isolated. And the and the, the Harkonans don't care about the Fremen. Right. And they don't know about the big Sietches. They only know about like the, the Pan and Graben folk, the people just in the cities, the little city dwellers. The city dwellers know about Muhadib and are starting to talk about Muhadib. And he's become this religious figure for them all of a sudden. Two years. Just, yeah, two years. And he's, he's now the religious, he, his, his religious um, hand covers the entire planet. Man. That's Paul, that's Paul Muhadib for you. But the Baron thinks this, thinks this is hilarious. Very funny, really. It means the mouse. I've told Raban to let them have their religion. It'll keep them occupied. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. And then Fade replies, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. Having no clue why the Baron's telling him any of this. I like to think that this chapter is put together just so we can have that one line. That like the Harkonnens know about Muhadib, but aren't taking him seriously yet. Right. Which we know who Muhadib is and what Muhadib can do. What deep? And so the Baron replies, Yes, it is interesting. Together they enter the Baron's apartment, which still showed signs of the struggle that the Baron had with the slave boy. It was a clever plan. The, the Baron then turned to face his nephew, but not clever enough. Tell me, Fade, why didn't you just kill me yourself? 
Fade replies, you taught me to keep my hands clean. Ah, yes, the Baron said. You must be able to face the Emperor's truthsayer, that witch on the Emperor's elbow. You say truthfully, you did not do the deed. So, classic Harkonnen one-on-one. 101. Don't actually do it. Fade then asks why the Baron never actually bought a Bene Gesserit. Because you can buy Bene Gesserits. That's how Lady Jessica was bought as a gift. So, which has its own weird implications of why the Bene Gesserit would do that, but okay. Um, then the Baron responds that he doesn't trust the Bene Gesserit. And he tells Fade to quit trying to change the subject. And then Baron starts to question Fade about his birthday party two years ago in the arena. Right? We were there for that party. It was a good party. Mm-hmm. Count Fenring was there. And Lady Fenring, which at this point in time probably has a little Harkonnen baby in her belly. Or is... Or is no, the baby would be born then, out there, somewhere. Unless Harkonnen's spawn are like two years in gestation. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're regular humans, but yeah, it's weird. They're just so gross that they stay inside their mother for... <laughs> for two. It's an extra time. The Baron questions Fate about this birthday party, and he asks about, remember that time... In the uh, in a slave pit with that slave that almost got you was that all a ruse? And Fade confesses, yes, it was all big one big sham to discredit the Baron's slave master, so we could replace him with one that Fade likes, one that Fade could use, maybe one for this very moment he's been planning for for the last two years. This failed assassination attempt. Oh. Okay. You see what I'm see what I'm putting down here? Yeah. I mean, I didn't connect it as like one big long conspiracy like that event transpiring to this one. You know, I just thought it was like he's been trying to kill him for a while and this attempt failed, you know? Well, I mean, we know Fade likes yeah, it could not be a related event and Fade just, you know, likes to put his slave master in to give him better slave women or something. Um but this was having control over the slave master would be a big plus uh, in the, in the, in the giddy prime world. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's happening there. Cool. So the Baron at this point is actually rather proud of fade, right? He did. Oh, he did a really good job. He did the ruse. He got his own slave master in this plan was long. It was a good two year plan to put it right. And it, you know what? He, it would have worked. It would have worked, but, but we'll get to the, but. So fade tells fate or the Baron tells fade. If you had finesse and subtlety to match your courage, you'd be truly formidable. And the Baron just goes, ah, he starts to think about his other people that have been formidable, like Piter. I really miss Piter. The twisted Mentat. He was a man of delicate, devilish subtlety. Hadn't saved him, though, but he was nice. The Baron then caught Fade staring at 
the bed sheets on the bed and how chaotic the whole situation was. And the Baron reads his mind and he asks, you wonder how I best him? Ah, now fade. Let me keep some of my weapons to preserve me in my old age. It's better to use this time to strike a, bar- strike a bargain. Which that was kind a of an for me because I want to know how he bested, how he figured it out, you know? How do you figure it out? I, I'm assuming the like thing on his thigh, like the blemish on his thigh. Did he explain it? Yeah, yeah, he'll, okay, we're getting to it. Okay, okay, okay. So, he wants to start a bargain, strike a bargain. What bargain, Uncle? Fade felt proud that his voice remained calm and reasonable, betraying none of the elation that filled him. The Baron noticed this. The Baron suggests that Fade should stop these attempts on his life, and the Baron will step aside when Fade is ready to rule, and then the Baron will retire and sit in an advisory role. Right? You stop killing me. I'll step down when you're ready and I'll become your advisor. Win-win for everybody. Retire? Uncle? Really? You still think me the fool, the Baron said. You think I'm begging you to step. To stop. Step cautiously, Fade. This old fool saw through your shielded needle you planted in that slave boy's thigh. Right where I'd put my hand with the tiniest amount of pressure the poison needle would have entered this old fool's hand. Ah, fade. The Baron shook his head. And the plan would have worked if Howitt hadn't warned him about it. So the reason it didn't work is because Thufer let the Baron know, oh, by the way, this is the plan. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So Howitt's playing it. And we both sides here. Fade still staring wide at his uncle. You speak of a bargain. What pledge do we give to bind it? You mean how can we trust each other? Well, Fade, as for you, I'm setting through for Howard to watch over you. And for me, well, you have to take me on faith. But I can't live forever. I give you my pledge, and what do you give me? Fade asked. The Baron responds. I let you go on living. Well, what do you say? I mean, it sounds fair, right? You stop trying to kill me. I don't kill you. I let I put the, the mentat to babysit you. Uh, sounds like a win-win-win. I don't know if fair is the right word, but maybe like fair enough. <laughs> and that's what exactly what Fade said. He says, what can, what can I say? I accept. Sure, I accept. And then the Baron looks at him a little bit more. You haven't said anything about how about watching you. Right? That was all part of the plan. How about watches you? You're not going to say anything about that? And Fade says, how it is a dangerous toy. His nostrils are flaring. And then the Baron says, toy, don't be stupid. I know what I have in how it. How it has deep emotions. The man without emotions is the man to fear. But a man with deep emotions can be bent to your needs. Who do you think Howard blames for his present circumstances? Me? Certainly. But he believes he can best me any time. And by believing this, he is bested. For I direct his attention where I want it. 
against the Imperium. Right? So Fade, he knows that Fade won't do anything, and Fade is more or less working on, no, Howard is more or less working on complete rage at this point. Right. The generation, the, the Atreides are all gone. He thinks Lady Jessica did it. He's only there so he can enact revenge on who he thinks did it, which would be the Emperor, right? The Emperor did the bad deal. And so the uh, Harkonnens are pointing how it's rage at the Imperium. And then, so Fade, he gets it. Wait, you were trying to go after the Emperor. This is crazy. And the Baron says, Howard does not think beyond his revenge. Howard's a man who must serve others. But he doesn't know this about himself. And Fade, it starts to click for Fade even more. I've learned much from Howard. But the more I learn, the more I feel like we should dispose of him. And soon. It's the same thing that Count Fenring said. Dispose of Howard. He knows too much. He's too dangerous. Let him, like, get rid of him. And the Baron responds with, you don't like the idea of how it watching you. How it watches everybody, Faith says. <laughs> and he may put you on the throne, the Baron said. How it is subtle, dangerous, devious. But it's not time to withdraw the antidote from him. When his time will withdraw and death will sheathe him. In a way, Fade says, it's like the arena. Faints within faints within faints. You watch to see which way the gladiator leans, which way he looks, and how he holds the knife. Fade nodded to himself, seeing how much his words please his uncle. So it's like uh, faints within faints, how you play in the arena. Plans within plans within plans. Right. What are we going to do next? Bum, bum, bum. Uh-oh. And this is where the Baron, like, says, See, you still need me. See how I am still of use? I have all these plans in the works. You can't get rid of me. If you were to get rid of me, all these plans would go away. So right. don't do that. And then the chapter takes the classic Harkonnen chapter gross twist at the end. <laughs> yeah, it goes full Harkonnen at the end. Right. As usual. So they've, they come to an agreement. Oh, yes. Fade tried to kill the Baron. The Baron stopped it. They come to an agreement. Let's not kill each other quite yet. But you need to know your place. So the Baron says, he probably puts his arm around his shoulder, right? And says, and now we will go down to the slave quarters. And I will watch you kill all the women in the pleasure wing. With your own hands. Oh. I, just, I oh. picture like Fade getting like excited. You and I will go to the slave quarters to the women and we will watch you murder all of them. With <laughs> And not with a knife. I want you to do it with your own hands. I want you to murder the hundred that are there. Because you know they don't just have like one or two. You know the Harkonnens yeah, are just like, overflowing. Yeah. With just this grotesqueness, right? So they're just going to go in there and he's, he's going to kill all of them with his bare hands. Just murder all of them in a gross way. 
gosh. Oh. So Fate, of course, is like, Uncle, no. And the Baron says, There will be other women, Fade. You will accept your punishment and learn something from it. Fade looked up at the double chins of his uncle. I know you, Fade, the Baron said. You will not refuse. All right, Fade Rautha thought. I need you now. I see that. Uh, But I'll not always need you. And someday, dot, dot, dot. End scene. It's the end of the chapter. So, yeah, this is just another great subtle example of like, there's tons of action that's like on that bookend this chapter, right? So you had the the Baron wrestling the slave down, right? And killing him. We don't see any of that. And we don't see Fade go into the slave quarters and kill all these people. It's just right. action. The action takes place outside of the chapter. In the chapter itself, you just get the dialogue. Right. And that and is even, cool. Even the, the slave master and the two guards, like, all this death happened, but it was off camera, you know? Oh, yes. Everything is outside of what's actually happening. Um, so that is, that's the end of that chapter. Man. I thought this, I thought it was going to be a longer, longer one, but it's not. No, oh, pretty man. Sure. Um, Alexander on YouTube says that someone should just make a compilation of me saying bump, bump, bump. And I think someone should do that. You should take the time to go through all of the reading dude podcast on YouTube and just make one like a 45 minute video of me to say bump, bump, bump. And then make an auto tune version where it's like some, some pop song or something. Yeah. And then we'll do it to like the, and then we'll put it behind the Dune trailer. We're just like bum 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 the whole time. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well this chapter. Yes. And I think it's it sucks that it you it's funny because you read this thing or you have the last chapter, right, with the water of life, and you're like, Yes, I can't wait. Flip the page. Oh my gosh. Book three. This is great. Flip the page. Harkonnen chapter. Oh, uh, yeah. The worst. It's kind of like you need that filler episode to keep, uh, keep people engaged. Yeah. So hopefully next chapter we won't have one, but we'll, yeah, we'll see how happens. Yeah, we will see. All right. Evan, you want to talk about discord real fast? Yeah. So, uh, last week you guys might've come to, uh, watch the episode and there was not an episode. It was just me talking to the camera. Um, but I was letting everybody know. And as I am letting you know, now that we made a discord, I think we're, I think I'm 99% sure we're the only Dune discord, like on discord. We're the only Dune server on discord. Um, and it's been up for a week and it's already been super fun. We get to like hang out and talk and um, build the tribe uh, throughout the week and I hang out there most of the time all day. I mean, sometimes I'm mostly reading, but I'm usually looking at the discord um, and it's just been rad, you know, getting to know everybody and um, everyone shares memes on the 
gay prime channel because it's a garbage trash place full of <laughs> awful things, which is where the meme shit resides. Um, so uh, if you guys want to get on the discord, uh, you can email us at readingdune at gmail.com or I think somebody put it in the comments on the, on this YouTube video. So maybe look through there a little bit, but we'll always be able to just shoot you a, shoot you an invite on, uh, on email. So that's reading dune at gmail.com and yeah, come hang out. Um, and it's fun and I want to be your friend. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. Again, I just did it naturally. I think my wife actually makes fun of me now because I do that every now and again. I'm like, be walking to do something. I put the dishes away. I'm like, bum, bum, bum. I like to psych myself up right before it. So it's not just a Dune thing for me. It's an everyday thing. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Reading Dune. We just hit 400 follows, which is really cool. Also, if you're on YouTube, please give us a subscribe. Um, we just want to see this thing grow. Yeah. And yeah, we will see you next chapter. See ya. Stay spicy, everyone. Stay spicy, my friends. Peace. Bye.